Thank you, Chris. We've been speaking this month, studying together under the theme of Emmanuel. And that word, Emmanuel, means God with us. But we've talked about that theme in several different ways. We, first of all, talked about Emmanuel, born of a virgin. And then in the second week, we talked about Emmanuel, born a king. Um, this week, I have a, a, a bit more of a somber message for you that is Emmanuel, born to die. Now, you may struggle with that and say, boy, that's a terrible theme for the Sunday before Christmas. This is Sunday before Christmas, and for whoever pulled up the video that you're watching right now, from whatever time you're watching it, uh, I don't usually dress like this. This is Christmas. This is Christmas sweater Sunday, ugly or not. Now, don't tell me, please, that my sweater is ugly. I, I think it's gorgeous. But um, so that's why some of us, Chris had his, I have mine. I didn't realize till we were in the car together that run up here real quick. Come, come up here quick. Do what I say. Come up here quick. I didn't realize till we got in the car together this morning that we are Twinkies. But, but mine's, mine's from Christmas, you know. But. Yeah, she's off. And it's also today is our 49th wedding anniversary. Okay, so we're celebrating Christmas. We love the carols. But I need you to understand something. We celebrate the babe in the manger. I mean, mention the manger, and we string lights, we decorate trees, we sing carols, but mention the cross... And we're repulsed. We shrink back in horror by, because of what happened on the cross. You've you got to understand, though, that the manger without the cross is meaningless. If you have the manger but not the cross then Christmas is nothing more than a great day and a great excuse for going shopping. It robs it of its meaning. Listen to me. Make no mistake. He came to die from the manger to the cross. When He was born in the manger, He was born facing the cross. He was born to die. What does that mean, born to die? What does that mean to us? Well, first of all, He was born to be submissive. I love the verses that we are sharing, realizing that Isaiah in what we call chapter 53, you realize, Kelly, he didn't sit down and think, well, now I'm going to write chapter 53. It was just a flow of prophecy. But in a thousand years before Christ was born, Isaiah was inspired by God to write about his birth, said about him, who has believed our message? Now, you might not realize what that means, but what that means is not many are going to believe. That same thing is quoted in the New Testament 
as an explanation of why people did not believe him. He knew Sarah when he came. He knew that people were not going to believe him. He knew they were going to reject him. Zach, that, that was a part of his coming, and he was submissive to that. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. I mean, people, you, you see the babe in the manger, and people say, oh, that's so cute. But it, it's like kittens. Kittens are cute, but they become cats. Little babies grow up and they look like Roger. <laughs> or Lynn. But if you have an idea about Jesus, that people were just naturally attracted to Him, if you have this Superman mentality about Jesus, and everybody wanted to be with Him, and He was you know, attractive and, and drew the crowds because of His person, that was not the case. He had no beauty or... Ma he was not attractive to people, personally. He was, in fact, despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. He, he was born of a virgin. He was born a king. Angels heralded his birth. Wise men came afar to worship him, but he was rejected by his own people. And not just by his people, but by generations since. John said of him, John began in chapter 1, verse 1, uh, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things by Him were made, and there was not anything that was made without Him. And in verse 10, that's a terrible quote. I didn't do a very good job of that. In verse 10, He was in the world, and the world was created through Him, Yet the world did not know Him. What a terrible indictment. He came to His own, and I've supplied the word creation because the NIV supplied the word people. And there is a comparison in the original language to that. He came to His own creation, and His own people did not receive Him. He came to be rejected. He knew when He came that He would be rejected. By the way, I need to make something clear. We talk about sin, and I'm going to talk about sin in a minute, and how we, like sheep, have gone astray. Every one of us are sinners. Which of your sins is capable of sending you to judgment? Which of your sins is capable of sending you to eternal suffering and separation from God? Oh, we like to talk about the big sins of murder, of adultery, of... We don't like to talk about the common sin, the one that we all struggle with, 
pride, idolatry, putting ourselves above God. But which sin is it that condemns a man? It's that one. Rejecting the Savior. It is the sin of unbelief. Later on in John 3, 18, John will say, He that believeth is not condemned. Praise God. That's a good place to be. Once you've believed in Jesus Christ and received Him as Savior, you'll never be condemned again. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he's not believed. He has not believed in the only begotten Son of God. Please understand. Don't hear my message and miss the fact that it is dangerous. Eternally dangerous to reject the Christ of the manger and reject the Christ of the cross. He came to be rejected. But he was submissive to that. Stan, he knew it, but he, but he came anyway. Paul said to the church at Philippi, Let this mind be in you all, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, that is, something to be held tightly onto, but he emptied himself, taking upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, being found in the form of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. You get that? He became submissive. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He knew that he was coming to die. He knew that that was God's plan. He knew that we could not be saved. And He was submissive to the Father, submissive to death, even the death of a cross. The message of Christmas is a message of submission. And the question for you at Christmas is, will you, will I, be submissive to the will of God that He has for us in this season? Listen, let me tell you, I can tell you for sure if you've never been saved, you've never trusted Christ, it is His will. It's not His will for you to perish. It is His will that you be saved. Make this season a season of submission to the will of God. He came to be submissive. He came, He, bore, he was born to bear our sin. Notice, not his sin to bear our sin. Again, the verses say, Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him, and by His wounds we are healed. He came as the Lamb of God. He, we all like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to His own way, 
the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Our sin was placed on an innocent lamb, the Son of God. It says he poured out his life. This is jumping down to the second half of verse 12. He poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Why did Jesus have to die? For our sins. For our saving. He had to pay the price for our sins so that we could be saved. He was born for that. The Bible says that God made him who knew no sin, this, this blows my mind, to be sin. He knew no sin, but He was made to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. He bore our sins on our behalf or for us so that through salvation by receiving Him and receiving the gift of eternal life, we might become the righteousness of God in Him. When God the Father looked at the Son on the cross, He saw sin. Not His, ours. But now, those of you who have received Christ as Savior, God now looks at you, Andrew, God looks at you now, and He does not see sin anymore. He sees the righteousness of Christ. Our sin was put on Him so that His righteousness could be put on us. The message of Christmas is a message of salvation from sin. He died for your sin. Will you now receive His free gift of eternal life, of salvation? Listen, this is the time. If there's any season that's good for being saved, from your sin, it's Christmas. If you've never trusted Christ, let this be the time. Let this be the day. Let this be the moment that you receive Christ as Savior. He was born to bear our sin. Not only that, but He was born to suffer in innocence. We say, man, that's not fair. He was innocent. Why should He suffer? Because He was the only one who could pay for our sins by His suffering. Listen, if I have to pay for my sin, for my own suffering, it'll take me an eternity. There will never be a day when God will look at my suffering and say, that's enough. If you think that you can earn your way to heaven by being good enough, you will never be good enough. Only Jesus was good enough, and He had to die for us because we couldn't pay that debt. Only He could. He was innocent, but He suffered for us. The Bible says, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet He did not open His mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, 
and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. He had no sin. He had never sinned. I, re I read to you again, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who knew no sin. He was the spotless Lamb of God, totally innocent, totally pure, and yet God poured on him the sin of us all. He was innocent, but he suffered for us. My question is, are we willing to suffer for him? You know what? I, I have a, a poem that I was going to put on screen, and I decided just to read it to you. It's something that touches me. I think about born for the cross, born to die. I think about His willingness to suffer. And I think about the message of that for Christmas, because we have an idea. We, we wear pretty sweaters or ugly ones, whichever, you know. And, and we celebrate with wreaths of holly. We celebrate with bright lights and colors but we better not miss the message of Christmas. And the message of Christmas is also the cross. But somehow, Christmas has to become very practical for us. We celebrate the birth of the Son of God, of the Christ child, but do we realize He came to suffer? He was innocent, but He came to suffer for us. The message of Christmas for us ought to be as well, are we willing to suffer for Him? Amy Carmichael wrote a poem called No Scar. Hast thou no scar, no hidden scar on foot or side or hand? I hear thee sung as mighty in the land. I hear them hail thy bright ascendant star. Hast thou no scar? Hast thou no wound? Yet I was wounded by the archer spent, leaned me against the tree to die and rent. By ravening beasts that compassed me I swooned. Hast thou no wound? No wound, no scar, yet as the master shall the servant be, and pierced are the feet that follow me. But thine are whole. Can he have followed far who has no wound, no scar? You know, it's amazing. We don't even want to be inconvenienced. We have, we have problems getting volunteers to fill the nursery, to take care of the front desk. The, the welcome desk, the, the information desk for the children. It's been my dream that we would have people in our first service, the larger service, in case you've only been to the second service, the first service is the larger service. But it is my vision and my dream that we will have people in that service who would be willing to stay over after the study group and take care of the nursery to take care of the information desk during the second service. It's been my dream that some of you in the second service would be willing to come early and 
take care of the nursery and take care of the information desk during the first service so that people can hear the Word of God. Yeah, you, I'm not asking you to come listen to me twice. But if you serve in the early service, then you can worship in the second service. And those who worship in the first service could serve in the second service. But everybody wants to have their family dinner together, you know? They want to, be, they want to beat the Methodist into the, into the restaurant. We, we don't want to be inconvenienced. Where is your scar? Where is our willingness to suffer and to surrender, to serve in the Lord's church? Listen, He came to suffer innocently. The message of Christmas is a message of serving and being willing to suffer. Are you willing to suffer some inconvenience or maybe a great one? Are you willing to surrender and submit even to suffering for Christ's sake? That's what He did for us. Not only that, He was born to be sacrificed. Not just suffer, but to be sacrificed. Since by oppression and judgment He was taken away. Who can speak of His descendants? For He was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. John said of him, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. By the way, it's that same John. That's John chapter 1, verse 29. And it's the same John, John the Beloved, John the Apostle, who is John the Revelator, In Revelation chapter 5, looking at heaven, he says, Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne. It's hard for us to think about the Lamb of God, born in a manger, being the Lamb of God sacrificed on the cross. But without the cross... The manger has no meaning. Without the cross, Christmas is just a good excuse to go shopping. He was born to die. That was the plan of God, and that is the purchase, the price of our salvation. You know, I've thought about the day, as I was preparing the message this week, I I was taken back to the day when we were packing our container to go to Africa. Some might not know that we spent a dozen years in Kenya, East Africa as missionaries. I resigned the church that I pastored, and we moved into a little house on the ranch out in, the, in Fort Lonesome, Florida, Duet, out at the end of a long dirt road. The day came when we were packing up all of our belongings into a container to leave the United States to be shipped to Africa to spend 12 years there away from Walmart and McDonald's and away from family and friends. Of course, we would make new friends and be adopted into an African family. But at that moment, we didn't know that. 
My mom and dad had come from Alabama to central Florida to wish us goodbye. We had the container sitting out, Clint, in the backyard, big 20-foot shipping container. We were unloading all of our <laughs> junk from the house into the container to ship it to Africa. I remember I was walking across the yard carrying a box of stuff, something. And I heard a sound and I turned and I watched as my dad's car, mom and dad, driving away in that green Oldsmobile, kicking up dust on that dirt road. They left Joe without saying goodbye. My dad could not handle telling us goodbye. So he got my mom and they just got in the car and drove away without saying goodbye. And I stood there trembling, holding that box, watching that green Oldsmobile kick up dust. And I said, Lord, this is hard. This is hard. But I thought in that moment, I'm glad when it came time to send his son Jesus to die on the cross, God the Father did not say the price is too high. He was willing to pay the price. What about you? Are you willing to pay the price? Yesterday I, I watched, I don't know how many times I've seen the movie. I, I got to admit it's a busy week. And I, I bailed out of wrapping presents with Brenda and just crashed. And Chris, when I do that, I just sort of veg in front of the TV. I know none of you do that, but I, that, you know, that's how I crash. I just veg in front of the TV. And I was on Netflix and I found Sully. And I love that movie. And, you know, I watched again. If you don't know the story of Sully, Sully was the pilot of a U.S. Airways flight 1549 on January the 15th, 2009, that because of a bird strike, they lost both jet engines in that plane with 155 people on board. And he, in an instant of brilliance, realized they were not going to make it back to any airport. And he landed the airplane on the Hudson River. And 155 crew and passengers walked away. Well, they didn't exactly walk away. They evacuated the plane. Some of them were in inflatable rafts. And I, and I watched yesterday afternoon as they lined the wings of that aircraft. And they're standing, Charlotte, in the in the river with the water lapping at their feet on the wings of the plane. And one of the things that happened was that captains of the ferries on the Hudson River saw the plane go down, saw it land, and rushed to the scene. But there's an amazing scene, Pam, when, when one of those ferries, the first ferry, pulls up, right up because they were floating there, pulls up right up to the wing of the aircraft and they let down a ladder and the guy reaches down to the first person standing on the wings and pulls them to safety. What a moment. Wouldn't you like to have been 
that guy reaching down and pulling someone to safety. Listen. They had to leave their normal routes. They had to be... They had to make a sacrifice. It was inconvenient. They braved the water. They braved the cold. They put their ferry in danger. But to reach out and to pull someone to safety. And I look out across here and I see the study group leaders. I see those of you who work on Wednesday nights with our children and with our teens. I see you. And God sees you. I want you to understand that what you're doing is significant. You are reaching down with the Word of God, by the power of the Spirit of God, and you are pulling young lives to safety. Don't ever miss that. When you're given an opportunity of working in the nursery, you're allowing some parent to be in here and worship to hear the Word of God and be pulled to safety. Are we willing to sacrifice for the cause of Christ? Listen, the theme of Christmas, the message of Christmas, is a message of sacrifice. Are you willing to pay the price to serve Him? He was born to die, which means he was born to be sufficient. Oh, I, I, I love this verse. It speaks of God the Father and says, He shall see the anguish of his soul, that's the Son, and be satisfied. That means that when Jesus Christ hung on the cross... He was paying a debt that you and I could not pay. There was a moment on that cross, John, he said, it is finished. It is finished. That means the debt is now paid. What happened at that moment is God the Father looked down and saw the Son on the cross and said, it's enough. The sin debt is paid. Pam, I'm old enough that remembering when you did credit cards and they put them in the little machine and, you know, they, they ran the thing across it and, and printed the receipt. Well, you don't, I, okay, you don't do that anymore. You, you put the credit card in the reader with the chip in the proper direction and the machine reads it, but the, they hand you a receipt that says paid in Full. Now, Keely, you have to pay the bill later to your credit card company. But as far as that cashier is concerned, you paid the bill. You understand that when Jesus died, the Father saw His death and saw the shed blood, and He said, paid in full. Paid in full. His death was sufficient for your saving. That means you do not have to do anything to earn your salvation. He paid it all. He paid it all. Our sin debt was paid when Jesus died on the cross. And the message of Christmas 
is a message of an all-sufficient Savior. Come to Jesus. He's paid your way. But you must. You see, eternal life is in Him. And you must come to Him in order to receive that gift of eternal life. He's calling you. He wants to save you. He would ask that you come now. Some of you need to come for salvation. You need to come now. You do not know that you'll have another opportunity. Some of you need to come for baptism. And you ought to surrender to that. You ought to be submissive. You ought to obey by coming for baptism. Some of you need to come for membership in the church. You may not know exactly what it takes to be a member. I, I can explain that. Some of you need to find that list and sign up for service. In gratitude for all that Christ has done, sign up for service. But whatever God wants of you now, will you obey Him? Will you believe Him? Will you trust Him? And will you serve Him?